Hey everybody, this is Pastor Chad, and you are listening to the Way Radio Podcast. Today is an extremely hot day here in Meridian, Idaho, so I have the window open in my office. So if you hear background noise, I apologize. I usually record in a upstairs room in our house, and it's about 20 degrees hotter up there. So I'm in my office with the window open, and hopefully because it's evening, there won't be too much background noise. So I apologize uh, if that does happen ahead of time. Inspiration. Something that I think is very important uh, in today's world in general, and also for Christians. I think like I mentioned in maybe the last episode or the episode before, uh, suicide rates, depression, things that attest to human suffering are just skyrocketing in every demographic, just going up constantly. And it's just a a picture of the, the, sin and the mis- sin and misery that so many people are trapped in. And so what I like to focus on a lot is inspiration. How do we inspire ourselves? How do we inspire others? Um, how do we keep a positive attitude, an attitude of gratitude for God, for everything that he's done for us and blessed us with, in salvation through Jesus Christ. And um, something I love to do is I love to read about church history and I love to read biographies of great people uh, who were devoted to Christ and the cause of the gospel down through church history. And so what I wanted to get into today is I'm going to read uh, an article about a man you may have heard of if if you've been a Christian for a while or you've studied church history. Uh, His name was William Borden. And he was an heir to the Borden uh, fortune in the early 1900s. And I, I've actually read quite a bit about him. And yesterday I decided to go ahead and order a biography of his because I want to learn more about him. But I, I've, I've got quite a few articles that I've read about him. And I came across another one that I think is probably the most well-written and one of the most beautiful articles that I've found about the life of William Borden. So what I want to do in this episode is go through this article and sort of look at uh, how inspiring it is and then how it reflects the cause of the gospel, the gospel message, and what it is to truly live for Christ. And it's just a beautiful article. It blessed me so much as I was reading it and I was working on the notes for this episode. And I hope it blesses you as well. So what I would recommend if you're listening to this, be a great episode to listen to in the evening. Kicking back in your living room or your office or whatever, in your backyard, you know, put this on with some headphones and just listen to the story of just an amazing man of God uh, that was just so passionate about the Lord, so in love with Christ, and just so devoted to Him and the cause of the gospel. And I just want to share this with you guys, and I, and I hope it blesses you as it's blessed me. So as I go through this, I'm going to stop at certain points and, and, and go into it and, and share some scripture that opens up a little more about what, what they're, what's being written of here. Uh, but let's begin. And it's, it's entitled, William Borden, No Regrets, and it's written by a man named Dennis Pollock. And you can actually find the article at spiritofgrace.org. That's where I printed it from. And it begins with a quote. It says, Apart from Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Such was said of William Borden by Professor Charles Erdman of Princeton University. And he was not mistaken. 
It's sad that more Christians are not familiar with the amazing story of this man whose brief life and sudden death touched this generation in a powerful way and left a testimony of total devotion to Christ that will stand through all generations. And I want to look at that first sentence. Apart from Christ, excuse me, there is no explanation for such a life. And I just want you to keep that in mind as we go through this story. And then at the end of it, he says, and he left a testimony of total devotion to Christ. And this is what is going to be reflected all through this reading today. It continues, born in 1887, William Borden grew up a beloved son in one of the wealthiest families of Chicago. His father was a millionaire in the days when very few ever reached such a state, and billionaires didn't exist. Children of the very wealthy are notorious for being spoiled, selfish, and arrogant, but in Borden's case, it never happened. The primary reason through God's providence and grace, was Borden's mother, Mary. When William was seven, his loving and devoted mother experienced Christ in a radical way. She quickly transferred her church membership to the strongly evangelical Moody Church, started studying her Bible, and became determined to pass on her faith to her children. Now, I want to stop right there, and I want to share with you guys Deuteronomy 11, 18-20 which says, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And I love that portion of Scripture from Deuteronomy because it shows us that we are to be absolutely absorbed in God's word. That's why Jesus says, abide in me and abide in my word. And we see the result of this in a man like William Borden because of his mom. She became determined to pass on her faith to her children. It continues, no doubt her other children were impacted by mama's walk with Christ, but it was William that seemed to embrace his mother's new faith wholeheartedly. Within a short time, he received Christ himself and never looked back. The young lad seemed spiritually precocious. He read the Bible and prayed with his mother before going to school. As he made his way through his teenage years, there was no adolescent rebellion so typical of teens. He was about as close to the ideal child as was possible. He got good grades, had a likable manner, was respectful to his parents, and he enjoyed sports. But notice it says, he received Christ himself and never looked back. Such an important picture and an important thing for us to understand as believers. Jesus tells us in John twenty-one twenty-two, it says, Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. That's after Jesus had been crucified, he had risen, and he had appeared to his apostles, and he was walking on the beach with Peter, and he was explaining to him uh, what was going to take place in the church, in the body of Christ. And Peter looked at John and wondered uh, if the things that were being told to Peter were going to apply to John as well. And, And Christ just made such a great lesson there. He taught him such a great lesson. He says, even if he remains until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And I've always loved that because it's a picture of the fact that we follow Christ in the body of Christ, but we also follow Christ individually. We all have a very special 
personal relationship with Christ, and we are to cling to him in a one-on-one personal relationship and follow him. And then in Luke 9.62, it says, Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. William Borden never did that. It said he received Christ himself and never looked back. So what that tells us is if you're going to take the name of Christ, if you're going to claim to be a follower of Christ and you've committed your life to him, you're devoted to him, don't look back. Don't look back at the world. Just keep your eyes on Christ. Look to Christ. Continues, when he graduated from high school, his parents gave him a present of a trip around the world hiring a devout Christian young man to travel with him as his companion and guardian. While on this trip, William met a number of Christian missionaries. Many of them were young people, idealistic and enthusiastic in their desire to reach the nations for Christ, and they made a deep impression upon him. He wrote his mother, When I look ahead a few years, it seems as though the only thing to do is to prepare for the foreign field. The young heir to the board in fortune was beginning to sound more like a preacher than a rich kid. Now notice it says that he met these young people who were idealistic and enthusiastic in their desire to reach the nations for Christ. Now just think of that, idealistic and enthusiastic. And if you're not familiar with some of the stuff I've talked about with, like I said, uh, the prevalence of depression, suicide rates, uh, I'm getting calls from a lot of young people who claim that they are suffering from, I don't know if you would call it apathy, uh, disconnectedness. They feel numb, like they don't care about anything. And I think a lot of that has to do with the prevalence of social media technology. There's too much information. There's too much coming at people. And I think it's stifling the minds and it's crushing the spirit and it's weighing people down. But what is one of the most vivid pictures of the opposite of that? It would be idealism and enthusiasm. If if you believe in an ideal and you're enthusiastic about it, How could you be depressed? How could you be apathetic? How could you be depressed? You see? It's the opposite of what so many are struggling from nowadays. In this age in which so so many suffer from apathetic, apathetic resignation, in which so much of what passes for Christianity is contrived and void of true devotion and passion, when we see so many plodding along in the ways of the world without any meaningful purpose, what a joy it is to consider that in Christ and the cause of the gospel is the supreme ideal and reason to be enthusiastic and grateful for all that we are blessed with in Jesus Christ. It's the opposite of anxiety and depression. And I just love that. He met these people that were idealistic and they were enthusiastic in their desire to reach the nations for Christ. And it says they made a deep impression on him. Now, we don't always know the results of the effect that we have on others. These people that were enthusiastic and passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ that had probably witnessed to William Borden, they they had no idea what this guy was going to do in his walk for Christ. They didn't know what God's plan was for him. And that's another lesson for us. We have to remember that we just need to shine with the light of Christ into every life that we possibly can and understand that God's going to do with it what he's going to do with it. It's not up to us. It continues. Upon returning home, William entered Yale University, where he entered enthusiastically into his studies and the various social activities the bustling campus had to offer. 
But of greatest interest to William were those events associated with the Christian faith. Yale had been founded as a training center for ministers, but by the early 1900s, the new higher criticism had made inroads into its evangelical foundations, and many of the students had little use for the evangelical flavor of Christianity that had been essential to Borden and his mother. He began meeting with a couple of friends for morning prayer and Bible study. Now, what does that tell us? The importance of genuine, loving fellowship. We are to encourage one another. And that's so important in this time that we live in now that's just rampant with apostasy and heresy. We need to surround ourselves with the body of Christ, be in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, be encouraging them, be edifying them, and they will be doing the same to us. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. That's what Paul was telling the church to do. Encourage one another, strengthen each other, build each other up in the faith. That's what we're to do as Christians, and he benefited from that here. Not content with merely satisfying his own need for fellowship and spiritual nourishment, he eagerly sought ways to motivate other students to join the Bible study groups. As their numbers grew, they divided up the entire student body and assigned each believer certain ones to reach and attempt to enlist in the weekly prayer and Bible study groups. By the end of the first year, 150 were meeting together, and by his fourth year at the university, they had 1,000 out of the total of 1,300 Yale students attending these Bible studies. Borden seemed to thrive on reaching the toughest of the tough. As they were assigning students to be reached, sometimes a notoriously ungodly man would be named that nobody was eager to approach. After a lengthy, lengthy pause, revealed everyone's reluctance to attempt such a hard case, Borden would quietly say, put that one down for me. Now there's a big lesson here for us. Borden seemed to thrive on reaching the toughest toughest of the tough. So what you got to ask yourself, if you're a Christian, you're in ministry. Whether you're a pastor, an elder, a missionary, whatever. Every Christian has a ministry that they are to engage in. But what I want to ask today is challenge you to ask yourself, are you willing to push the envelope to go outside of your comfort zone? Will you go further today for Jesus Christ than you went yesterday? That's what great people in the faith have done since the beginning of the church. They have constantly pushed farther and farther than they did the day before. They've gone beyond what their limits were the day before in the cause of the gospel. And that's what we see here in William Borden while he was still in school before he even left for the mission field. During his early years at Yale, Borden attempted a missionary conference, attended a missionary conference that was to change his thinking and his life. One of the speakers, Samuel Zwemer, made a passionate appeal for volunteers to reach the, the most unreachable people then on the planet, which is still true today. He spoke in passionate terms of the millions of Muslims who had been almost entirely ignored by the vast majority of missionary endeavors. He spoke of China, which had 15 million Muslims with not a single missionary among them. He made no attempt to cover the high price that might be demanded, declaring, Of course it will cost life. It is not an expedition of ease, nor a picnic excursion to which we are called. William Borden was hooked. Ever on the lookout for a challenge, he had found a challenge of the highest order. He began considering a ministry to the Muslims of northern China. In one of his notebooks, he later wrote, In every man's heart there is a throne and a cross. 
If Christ is on the throne, self is on the cross. If Jesus is on the throne, you will go where he wants you to go. The ultimate and most meaningful challenge is in the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's just the way it is, folks. The ultimate and most meaningful challenge is in the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And consider this, the true individual is only realized in Jesus Christ. If you look around at our society and you look at television commercials, you look at marketing, you look at uh, advertisements that we see everywhere, what you see is an image being portrayed that people are to try to exemplify. You're going to be this image, you're going to be that image, or you're going to copy this actor or that actress. That's not individualism. And I'm convinced that the only true individual is realized when they come to Christ and we be, strive to start becoming who we were made to be by God. And we can only do that in Jesus Christ. And folks, the grandest adventure is in the cause of the gospel. If you want a life that's exciting, you want every day to be a blessing, you want to have a challenge every morning when you get up, there's no greater challenge than serving in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can tell you that from my own experience. That's just the truth of the matter. And I love this quote by Bordenall. I'll repeat it. In every man's heart, there is a throne and a cross. If Christ is on the throne, self is on the cross. If Jesus is on the throne, you will go, you will go where he wants you to go. Put Christ on the throne. Crucify the flesh. Become the person that you need to be in Jesus Christ that, that will serve, honor, glorify, and be devoted to him. Meanwhile, William sought further opportunities for service while at college. He was instrumental in the founding of the Yale Hope Mission, an organization which provided food, shelter, and the gospel to the city's down and outers. Now, I want to make a very important, important point here. He says, and the gospel. If the gospel is not the aim and focus of a ministry, it's not a ministry. This is a huge issue in the modern church. So many churches spend so much money and put so much effort into sending people on short-term mission trips for a few days, a week. They go somewhere, they feed somebody, they dig a well, they paint a house, they do whatever. And I've talked to so many people that have done these trips, they've never presented the gospel. Some of them don't, a lot of them don't even know how to present the gospel or don't even know the gospel themselves. But have you ever thought about the fact that biblically, a ministry is not a ministry if it is not a ministry of reconciliation, which means it has to be proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll give you proof of this biblically. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, Paul tells us, he says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. How profound is that? Continues in verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Folks, think of what is being told to us there by Paul the Apostle. 
In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, and he's giving, uh, trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now, quite often, people will attack Reformed theology, or they'll, they'll attack uh, Calvinistic doctrine and say, well, if God predetermines and predestines people for salvation, why does anybody b- bother sharing the gospel? Share Second Corinthians 5 with them. It answers the question right there. We're the vessel through which the gospel is proclaimed. That's the way it works. But folks, it's just a fact of the matter that if you, if there is a ministry that is claiming to be Christian, but that ministry is doing a ton of good works, feeding people, helping people, doing whatever, but they are not focused in the cause of the gospel, that is not a biblical ministry. A very severe issue in the modern church. One thing I wanted to mention here, too, along these lines, is I will be going to Kenya uh, in just about a month. My church has been blessed. We have a tiny, tiny church here in the Boise, Idaho area. And we've been praying for uh, geez, four years now that the Lord would bless our church and that it would start growing. And the Lord has blessed us, but he didn't bless us in the way we thought. He has blessed us through uh, enabling us to legally register and to start a church called the Way Ministry Church, Kenya. And... Uh, I'm working with just an amazing pastor there who is going to be our lead pastor. So we're heading over there in uh, just about a month, and we will be spending close to a month there uh, sharing the gospel, helping set up. We have had been blessed to be don- to have buildings donated to us from another pastor who owned a school. The buildings are very run down, but he, he gave them. He, he's letting us have them, and we're going to be converting them into a school for orphans and a feeding center and a center for the gospel. So the reason I bring this up now is because our focus in the Way Ministry Church Kenya is the cause of the gospel. Everything else comes under that. We're serving Christ, we're proclaiming his gospel, and any other work that we do is subordinate to that and pushing that cause forward. Very, very important thing to understand in any type of ministry and especially in missions is the gospel has to be the driving force and that's what's driving the force in Kenya. We'll be heavily focused on the gospel in this trip um, and training up pastors in Christian doctrine. Kenya, if you're not aware, like so many countries around the world, has been totally is starting to be inundated with the plague of the New Apostolic Reformation, Church like churches like Bethel uh, that are coming in with their um, uh, prosperity gospel messages and all the other garbage that they preach, and we are going there. And the pastors that we are meeting with have asked to be taught solid biblical doctrine because they know they have to make a stand against the false teachings that are in their midst. So I just wanted to mention that at this point in in today's podcast. I'll talk more about it in the next few weeks as we prepare to leave on this trip. But we're real excited. And if you could pray about that, it's it's a huge challenge. But the Lord has opened this door. And it's been a trip that's been about a year and a half in the making, maybe two years. And uh, we're just so excited to be going. So let's continue here. He says, Meanwhile, William sought further opportunities for service while at college. He was instrumental in the founding of the Yale Hope Mission, an organization which provided food, shelter, and the gospel to the city's down-and-outers. One of William's friends noted that he might often be found in the lower parts of the city at night, 
on the street in a cheap lodging house or some restaurant to which he had taken a poor hungry fellow to feed him, seeking to lead men to Christ, focused on the gospel. One man came to the mission half drunk, but was convicted during the service. He related, I went forward and kneeled down, and Bill came and kneeled down beside me, and he explained as much as he could the power of Jesus Christ and how it was only him who could help me. I never drank from that night to this, never felt like it. Now, folks, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I run a ministry called Recovery Reformation. We're also going to be establishing that uh, in Kenya. But what I what we try to get across with Recovery Reformation is the fact that recovery programs are not needed. Steps aren't needed. When you understand the perfect power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you would laugh at the idea that you need something man-made to help people overcome an addiction or to help people overcome alcoholism. The gospel does away with recovery programs and the recovery industry, especially in the church. It is a travesty that so many churches that claim to be Christian lead the sinful, addicted into a program rather than into the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this shows right here that you do not need to do it. You just need to rely on the gospel, look to Christ, and share the gospel with people, and you will see miracles like this happen. He says, I never drank from that night to this, never felt like it. We don't hear those testimonies nowadays. We do in our ministry, but in most of the church, you never hear somebody say that. Why? Because when they go to a church, they lead them to an AA meeting. They lead them into a Celebrate Recovery meeting or some other meeting that may even claim to be Christian, but is working steps rather than focusing on the gospel. It continues, during Borden's freshman year, his father died. He, along with his brother, were given access to the family fortune, and William now assumed authority to write checks for thousands of dollars according to his own prerogative. Sometimes he would quietly write out a check for a large amount and entirely fund various ministry organizations he was involved with. But at other times, he would spend hours praying with friends for needed funds, feeling like it wouldn't be honoring to God for him to simply support all Christ's work apart from prayer and faith. Folks, is there a huge thing for us to learn there? What a powerful lesson that is. This guy had so much money that he could fund basically any ministry he wanted to. But he realized that he needed to go to the Lord and have the Lord's guiding. To go to the Lord faithfully in prayer, ask for his guidance and leading, to wait on the Lord and then follow him faithfully. Just because he had the funds to help all these ministries didn't mean that he did so. Just because he had the money, he knew he needed to be led by God to do so, according to the Lord's will. That is a, just a beautiful picture of faith right there. says he was now a millionaire in his own right, but he certainly didn't act the part. During conferences, he would sometimes don a waiter's apron and serve tables if the need was there. A friend noted, a kindness he did in New York Station is one of the things I have recalled repeatedly. We were going out to take a train when I noticed he had dropped behind, and turning, I saw him helping a very poor immigrant woman who was struggling along with many bundles and a baby in her arms. When a much-traveled visitor was asked what impressed him most while touring America, he replied, the sight of that young millionaire kneeling with his arm around a bum in the Yale Hope Mission. One friend wrote, No one would have known from Borden's life and talk that he was a millionaire, but no one could have helped knowing that he was a Christian. I'm going to read that again. No one would have known from Borden's life and talk that he was a millionaire, but no one could have helped knowing that he was a Christian. 
Let me ask you this, folks. Can that be said about you? Whether you're a millionaire and you got money or not, the people that know you, can, can they help but know that you're a Christian? Think about that. What a wonderful thing to consider every morning when you get out of bed. I will live today so that no one can help knowing that I am a Christian. Is there a greater goal for the day? Just to pray that, Lord, let this be a day that those that I come in contact with and those that I meet and I help and, and I converse with, that they will see and know that I am a Christian, that I am in you. What a beautiful way to start the day. Matthew five thirteen through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Beautiful portion of scripture. Beautiful. The article continues. Borden's spiritual strength came from his walk with the Lord, his prayer life, and his commitment to the inerrancy and inspiration of the scriptures. His was a time when it had become popular to doubt the Bible. Now, folks, this was the early 1900s. I would have to think that the popularity of doubting the Bible and attacking the Christian faith, both inside the church and outside the church, has increased exponentially since then. Think about that. But also, I want to look at the fact that it says, Borden's spiritual strength came from his walk with the Lord, his prayer life, and his commitment to the inerrancy and inspiration of the scriptures. Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Grace, prayer, the word. With those three things, we have all the strength we need to do any work the Lord puts in our, to follow any path that the Lord puts us on. But many professing Christians in our time either doubt the Bible or they're ignorant of it. Folks, I deal with this constantly. People who doubt the authority and sufficiency of Scripture, reject the authority and sufficiency of Scripture, or or are ignorant of it altogether. Christian believers who stand on the authority and sufficiency of Scripture are often maligned and ridiculed just for that fact. I can tell you that from experience. If you listen to a solid biblical teacher who preaches the gospel without compromise, straight from the Word of God, and, and, and calls out false teachers who are not and are contradicting the Word of God, he will be attacked as the one that's bad, the one that's evil. That's just the way it is in the modern church. Really, really a bad situation. Even seminary students and professors were joining with the higher criticism movement, which suggested that the Bible may contain some beautiful thoughts, but it was surely filled with errors and myths and was not to be taken too literally or seriously. Borden would have none of this. In a letter, Borden wrote, A broad spirit of tolerance is insisted upon, especially in matters of religion, and any and all are branded as narrow who dare think otherwise. That word narrow is one of Satan's deadliest weapons. It seems to me, for most people would apparently rather be shot than be called narrow. What are we told to do in Christianity? Follow the narrow path. Enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life in Jesus Christ. 
So he was fighting the same battles that we fight today. After graduating from Yale, William went on to Princeton Seminary, where he prepared for a life of ministry. His passion for ministry work among the Chinese never wavered. When a classmate asked him whether he planned to seek a wife anytime soon, he replied, It would be cruel for a man who is going into one of the most difficult of missionary fields to ask any girl to go with him, because the woman always fared the worst, often succumbing to disease when the man survived. Additionally, he felt it would hinder him from peak effectiveness as a missionary. Upon Borden's graduation from seminary and ordination, the local Chicago newspapers expressed amazement that the young millionaire was planning to enter the life of a lowly missionary. Folks, the world looks down on the highest of callings. The world looks down on the highest of callings. They looked at him as doing something that was lowly when he had everything he needed to have everything the world could offer in the darkest and meanest section of the Orient and declared it was beyond understanding. With William's striking good looks, wealth, attractive personality, sharp mind, and natural leadership qualities, he could have married whomever he wanted, succeeded at whatever he attempted, and possessed everything he desired. To people who failed to grasp the love of Christ, he was surely throwing his life away. 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Folks, the gospel will reach certain hearts and be rejected by other hearts. It's not our call. God chooses. But you've got to understand that the world sees the gospel of Jesus Christ as folly. To those that are perishing, The gospel looks like a joke, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God for salvation. What's up, everyone? This is James Watkins, host of the Five Solas podcast and founder of Five Solas Ministries. Be sure to check out our podcast that releases every Thursday on your favorite podcasting app as we discuss Christian doctrine and dive into the Reformed theological distinctives and their continued relevance for the church and world today. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, scripture alone to the glory of god alone join us each episode as we discuss the truths of these foundational rallying cries of the protestant reformers and how this material helps challenge and direct the current church in its life of worship and witness visit us online at www.fivesolasministries.com that's www.5solasministries.com to learn more information about the ministry and to also check out our awesome Five Solas lineup of t-shirts and gospel tracks. And as always, may all that you do be done to the glory of God. Soli, Deo, Gloria. At last, the time came for William to embark upon his great missionary endeavors. Rather than sailing directly to China... He first went to Egypt, wanting to gain, gain skills in Arabic, which many of the Chinese Muslims spoke, and to learn more about how to effectively reach the Muslim people. While there, he could not content himself with mere academic study. He had hardly been there two weeks when he began to organize the students of the theological school to engage in a citywide house-to-house canvas where all 800,000 inhabitants of Cairo would be given Christian literature and hear the gospel. Borden took to the streets and started handing out evangelistic messages written in the style of the Quranic teachings that were popular among the Egyptians. After just three months of study and evangelism, something happened to William that shocked the world. The passionate young missionary contracted spinal meningitis. He took the prescribed treatments, but to no avail. 
Within another month, William Borden was dead. He never reached his beloved China, although in one sense he had been functioning as a missionary for years, first at Yale, then at Princeton, and finally in his short stint in Egypt. Borden's death became international headlines. His short life, passion for Jesus and missions, and willingness to risk everything became the predominant sermon illustration whenever preachers talked about evangelism and missions. His life and death inspired countless believers to volunteer for missionary service and to dedicate themselves wholeheartedly to the cause of Christ. Folks, William Borden never made it to the mission field. But his ministry is so beautiful and so passionate for the Lord that it's one of the greatest examples we have in Christian history of what it is to follow Christ with total abandon, to live sacrificially for him. And I want you to think about Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, which say, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, William had no idea he was going to die, obviously, before he ever reached China and the mission field that he thought he was going to be sent to. He did an amazing work before he even got there. And I think he understood very well that the Lord's thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. So we just have to get up each day like I was talking about and do the best we can with the day we've been blessed with and strive to glorify God to to uh, just make the name of Jesus Christ shine so brightly from us that we make the day something special and we can pray that whoever sees us sees Christ and we exemplify what it is to be a Christian because we don't know if this is the last day. So make today count in every way that you possibly can for the cause of Christ. We live in an age of humanism, folks. The worship of self is the supreme idol. Even in modern Christianity, so many through social media especially and Christian music strive for fame and recognition rather than sacrificial service. What a wonderful breath of fresh air it is to consider the selfless life of a sacrificial of sacrificial service lived by William Borden. Just look at the contrast between this man and so much of what we see that passes for Christianity nowadays. I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of what true Christianity really can be if we just do what we're told to do in Scripture. It's amazing. To some, his life seemed a great waste. How pleasant a life he might have had had he only forgotten this foolish notion of reaching the unreached people for Christ. But most believers chose to embrace the sentiments of another missionary who wrote about Borden. I have absolutely no feeling of a life cut short. A life abandoned to Christ cannot be cut short. Cut short means not complete, interrupted, and we know that our master does no halfway jobs. The reality is that all those who were Borden's peers and contemporaries are now dead. Some may have lived to be 80 or 90, but they are all gone. Yet how few have made the impact that young William Borden did as he inspired his generation and the generations to come with a sterling example of a life lived as a flame of fire for the cause of Jesus Christ. When they looked into his Bible, they found three powerful phrases written at different times in his life. 
while he was in school, having made his decision to forsake a comfortable life of wealth and ease in the United States, he had written No Reserves. After graduating from Yale, with many offers of important positions coming to him, he wrote No Retreats. And below these two phrases, written shortly before he died, were the amazing words, no regrets. How beautiful is that, folks? How beautiful is that? But let's look at the beginning of that paragraph again. It says, to some, his life seemed a great waste. How pleasant a life he might have had had he only forgotten this foolish notion of reaching the unreached people for Christ. Doesn't that just sum up the focus of the American dream that we've been pitched for so long, a pleasant life. A pleasant life with all the trappings and then maybe some Christian service thrown in at some point. That's so backwards. The Christian service has to come first. The pleasant life automatically will follow. We will be filled with joy. If we look to Christ, we follow him. That is joy everlasting. The American dream that is really just uh, a tool of the ad agencies and the bankers and the corporations is just something to get our focus off of Christ and what true service really is. Isaiah 35.10 says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. We've got to turn things around, folks. We've got to look to Christ. Serve Him first. Be a Christian first. And let all this stuff about you know the American dream and success and prosperity and all that, secondary. We're told in Scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Make your treasure in heaven with the Lord. That's the most important lesson that I hope we could take away from this today. But I want to reiterate again what they found in his Bible. While he was in school, having made his decision to forsake a comfortable life of wealth and ease in the U.S., he had written no reserves. After graduating from Yale with many offers of important positions coming to him, he wrote, No retreats. He would not go back from the path he was following. And below these two phrases written shortly before he died, he must have known he was going to die, were the amazing words, No regrets. I have no regrets for following Jesus Christ. My blessings are beyond beyond anything I can count. My cup runs over. That had to have been the type of thinking that this amazing man had before he died in the Lord and went to be with the Lord in everlasting life. And the article closes by saying, A long time ago there was a woman who was also considered wasteful. She broke an extremely expensive alabaster box of oil worth nearly a year's wages and poured it over the master's head. When some objected to the waste, our Lord refused to condemn her, saying that wherever the gospel was preached, this woman's act of total devotion would be shared as a memorial to her. William Borden was of the same spirit. The Lord Jesus, who gave his precious life and blood for us, deserves our best. And if you give him your best, if you are devoted to him, you will have no regrets. Your life will be a joy and an adventure and a challenge beyond anything that this world could ever offer. And it is never a waste when we give it. Give your life to Christ. Thanks for listening today, folks. You can find us on the web at the way, the letter R, 122.org, or or at Recovery Reformation, 
www.wayradiogroup.org. If you go on Facebook, we have the Way Radio Group. I'd love to be able to start spending some time in there uh, with listeners, discussing what we talk about on the show, answering questions, tossing around ideas for future episodes. We also have a Facebook group for Recovery Reformation. You can just search that and the Way R12 too as well. If you have questions or comments, please email me at chad at the way r122.org. And if you haven't done so yet, please check out the Christian podcast community. Um, I'm a part of that, and it's just such a blessing to be uh, joining forces with so many other passionate podcasters who have shown that they are biblically uh, solid and doctrinally sound. And uh, it's just becoming an amazing blessing to be a part of that as well. Until next time, God bless you.